Welcome to Five Strive Weekly. With a big CCL matchup next week, Atlanta United are busy getting prepared for the first leg. We review the last two preseason matches, update you on the new signings, and get into the news. All that and more coming up. Welcome to the show, Five Strive Fam. I'm AJ, and this is Mark. And wherever it is you get your pods, subscribe, share, and leave us a good rating. This segment is sponsored by The Crossing, a family-owned traditional steakhouse located in historic downtown Norcross in the old train depot, serving mouth-watering steaks, seafood, and more with the quality of a fine dining establishment complemented by a casual setting. Atlanta United played two more preseason matches this past week, but before we get into that, another new signing for the Five Stripes, and his name is Manuel Castro, comes from Estudiantes de la Plata in the Argentine division, and uh, he's a 24-year-old winger and apparently comes on a free loan uh, for six months, and then after that, we have an option to buy uh if we want to extend it until right. december so right. very interesting indeed because yeah. it's seemingly on the outset seems like a pretty good deal yeah tidy business i would say and uh i think good depth you know i mean players have come from estudiantes to mls before so um indeed. and uh, up on, in that league in general you know, right that's lgp been being one of them as right. well so um but yeah it's you know 24 years old again like well within the profile of player typically at lane i like to go after um maybe the last six months years been a little bit of a struggle for him but before he was actually pretty prolific so yeah at the montevideo wanderers yeah he had scored 17 goals and had 13 assists uh with them in 87 games and so that's a pretty tidy number from the wing and uh you know i think that probably earned him his move to uh, Estudiantes, mm -hmm. but yeah, with only three goals in 27 matches for them, maybe he has been underwhelming a little bit, but yeah. that's where the opportunity for us to give him playing time comes in because, yeah, I mean, uh, it seems like a guy that um, yeah can track back yes. and can also create from the wing. Um, yeah. Definitely has a little bit of pace on him as well, mm -hmm. uh, and has an eye for goal. And so, yeah, I'm gonna quote Bocanegra here. His work rate and willingness to run both ways fits in with our dynamic style of play. And uh, yeah, I think that's a big thing that jumped out to me. Is that yeah. he's willing to track back, he's willing to work hard. Mm -hmm. You know, is he a potential option at wing back? Maybe, but the way I see him is that he's forward depth, and that's not typically something that we've had in the past. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I don't think, while I don't expect him to come in and start right away, uh, I do think he'll get a decent amount of playing time, especially since, yeah, our front three are our key players for sure. And, uh, we want to keep them as fresh as possible, even though they are going to play most of those minutes. And so I actually, on a number, for a number of reasons, I like this signing a lot. Right. And essentially, yeah, we're almost taking a flyer on this guy yeah. to a degree. And, uh, yeah, I mean, some loans in the past have worked well for us. Anton Walks, Joseph Martinez. Yeah, yeah, uh, right. You know, and, uh, yeah, it was very quickly that uh, Joseph Martinez was signed up, obviously. Though, right. So, I mean, we very quickly knew. Yeah. Yeah, this is, yeah. But, uh, but another uh, angle as well, I mean, if Barco or PD or both leave in the summer, you know, that could be an incentive to extend him. And if he shows a good form in limited minutes, and you know, maybe he'll deserve more minutes in the second half of the season. So Exactly. No, that's yeah. very true. Uh, but it is, I think, one of those things where, um, yeah, him, his inclusion in the team, uh, I think, really spells the front three as well because... Mm -hmm. Yeah, they will be worked hard this season, that's for sure. Absolutely. Um, and so, yeah, it's, I think, brilliant signing in terms of uh, making sure that we have enough cover. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, the potential of him kind of reaching his, um, you, know, you know, what he's actually capable of, I feel... Yeah, it's, it's very possible because you have uh, Frank DeBoer who, you know, wants guys that are versatile, wants yes. guys that, um, you know, can do multiple things, can play multiple positions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And he was specifically asking for a right midfielder. I mean, you kind of figure he was in on this. He probably knew he was coming, but right. still, you know, the fact that he would vocalize that to the media, you know, I think was uh, was key as well. Yeah, pretty telltale. And uh, yeah, I mean, you know, Castro had been pretty much, uh, yeah, you know, it was uh, for about a week and a half rumored, yeah, um, and it's very.
very much seemed like the, the stars were aligning that Castro would be the guy. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, welcome to Manuel Castro, and uh, hopefully he can get acclimated as quickly as possible. Uh, because, yeah, we will really very quickly start to need him. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> but uh, So getting to those preseason matches that happened. Uh, so last Saturday was against USL side Birmingham Legion. And uh, it ended up being a back and forth affair. And uh, it was a great away day for a lot of the 17s who yeah. were able to make it out to Alabama. Yeah. Um, and the Birmingham faithful definitely showed out as well. It ended up being a sold out match. It was right. a pretty good atmosphere overall. I wish yeah. I'd have been able to go myself. Right. I think it was like 6,100 and some change in terms of uh, the final number in terms of in attendance. Mm -hmm. So uh, yeah, they're a, a side that's also, um, yeah, I think drawing very well in terms of uh, for a USL side. And then also they... Uh, as we can see, they like to attack as well, yep. and uh, attack they did, but uh, yeah, it kind of started off kind of slow a little bit. Yeah. First 30 minutes, uh, I think it was still feeling each other out. Uh, they were growing into the game a little bit. Right. Um, we were, yeah, maybe uh, we had some chances. Maybe we didn't really put them away. Yeah. Totally fine, but uh, Barco finally breaks the deadlock at the 44th minute. With a nice finish. Oh, very nice. And uh, yeah, PT finds him with a, a fairly long diagonal uh, yeah. I mean, on the ground. Yeah, I think but... he dribbled through some players as well to get to that opportunity, right? Right, and then Barco takes one touch. Yeah. His second touch is a finessed goal into the bottom corner. Yep. Very interior. Thierry Henry-esque. Ah, you like mentioning sure. that guy, don't you? I, I love Thierry Henry, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> my idol. Uh, but uh, yeah, so, but anyway, in terms of uh, that goal, I think, yeah, it shows that he's got some uh, some clinical, you know, ability in front of goal, at, at least in the past uh, couple seasons. Now it's a matter of uh, putting it together for some consistent months in a, in a season. Sure, and the link-up play in general, I mean, uh, Petey Tabarco, definitely, I think we want to see more, we need to see that this season, I think. Uh, they didn't play all that much together during last season as right, well. Right, Towards the end, it looked good, you know, especially in that playoff game against Philadelphia, but uh, but yeah, I mean, Petey, Joseph, Barco, I think it's pretty clear those are, we're going to be leaning on them heavily for production, and so yeah, it's good to see that they they uh, look sharp that they are, you know, they are developing that chemistry and, you know, seeing, again, like, PD assists Barco on a goal, seeing Barco finish nicely in front of goal, the composure, you know, p regular season or preseason, you'd like right. to see it. Yeah, and it's, I think it's also notable how many shots Barco did take as well. Yeah. He was, yeah, I think uh, more aggressive with uh, himself in the box, even outside of the box. Yeah. Aggressive with the opponent. Yeah, aggressive with the opponent. Yeah, Asiedu, uh, our old friend, uh, got a little chippy with him. And right, right, right. Yeah, Barker was ready to, uh, you know, Throw fight him, him hands. if he needed need to. <laughs> Looked like he was going to. Yeah, they're about the same size, so it's like, okay, that's probably, well, Asiedu uh, is probably a lot but uh, you know, Bar thicker Bar than he is. Barco is not little though. Let's. He's not know. little, but yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, Aziedu, yeah, he's you know, he's got some muscle on him. So yeah. uh, that'd be know. an interesting scrap. Oh boy. <laughs> but uh, but anyway, so on to the second half. A lot of substitutions right. happened. Yeah. Uh, Wyke comes in at center back. Uh, Mulraney and John also come in. Mm -hmm. uh, Wyke unfortunately gives away a penalty. Pretty uh, pretty like right at the beginning of the second half. Yeah, pretty much and. Uh, uh, I mean, you know, it's not the, it's not, a, the, like, the penalty is, okay, it's a penalty, but it's, it's one of those, like, eh, it's, it's kind of, like, halfway up, I feel sure, like, but, sure. um, it's, you know, for him, I think, uh, yeah, in terms of Wyke, he gets some game time, uh, in terms of an option off of the bench, uh, that, he might see a lot more 18s, because we are really short at center back, and so, <laughs> yeah. You know, it might be one of those things. He's had some experience at USL for sure. Mm -hmm. uh, he was retained at Atlanta United too, and so yeah, he might be a guy that uh, we might have to yeah rely on. And so yeah, you know, uh, what we might be seeing more of him. But right, um, yeah. And in terms of that, it was uh, scored, and so it's one one. Yeah. Uh, then at the 67th minute, we win another penalty, and yeah, Adam John he puts it away, slots it bottom corner. Yeah. 
He seems to be pretty good at that. <laughs> he didn't do the shush. I was hoping he would do the, no, but no. Yeah, no, I mean, I didn't think it was probably too early for <laughs> that sass probably, but uh, yeah. And so, uh, you know, we go up to one. Uh, and mind you though, I think it's one of those things where, you know, the, the score and the kind of, um, you know, performance and results mm -hmm. doesn't really matter too much in preseason, right. but it is uh, interesting how much it went back and forth and that, yeah, there was still fight. There wasn't any like, you know, giving up from either of the two sides. Yeah. So, uh, but anyway. Uh, and what I will say as well, and yeah, yeah, we also, so we conceded again in the 80th minute. And to be fair, I think uh, once all those subs happened in the at the halftime, it was bound to be a little bit disjointed this defensively, a more open game. And so right. to say that I was surprised, not necessarily, or even discouraged, you know, I think it's important that the starters look good together. That's yeah. you know, really what we're looking for. And then maybe you're looking for individual performances in the second half. And one individual that stood out was Mateus Joseto. Yeah, exactly. And so, uh, unfortunately, I, I believe it was uh, his giveaway here that uh, gives them the goal at the eighth minute. Questionably offside. Yeah, but I don't it was think, unclear. Yeah, it was unclear. I think I don't think the cameraman really pans quickly enough right. to the left for us to really be able to see where the striker is. Right. But uh, yeah, I mean their striker. Yeah, he finished it with a plum. I mean, Very cool. It, it was yeah. That was uh, I, man. I'm I'm. I applaud that. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. It was uh, coolly done, yes, yeah. for sure. But uh, yeah, in the 97, or 92nd minute, mm -hmm. uh, Mo Adams, he finds Joseto uh, with just beautiful through ball. I mean, kind of lofted just a little bit, but yeah. uh, in a little bit of, uh, of traffic as well, yeah. Joseto uh, is able to turn and then shoot with his left. I think weaker left foot for yeah. sure, mm -hmm. uh, because we've seen his right in terms of in the highlights. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, it's a rocket. <laughs> yeah, and so he finesses it with his left. Kind of a number nine-esque finish. It is, I know, yeah, right? It's, uh, wow. And, you know, so it had a lot of people oogling at not only the sauce, yes. but that cool finish. And so. uh, yeah, encouraging from Mo Adams was one of those players that came on, uh, I think he came on halfway through the second half about, uh, but yeah, you know, he. Well, Adams is interesting to me because, you know, he was retained. Uh, Atlanta United did not uh, make him available for the expansion draft. So I think it kind of shows that maybe he has value with the team. Maybe they see potential in him. And I think he's one of those candidates to play uh, the kind of that base midfielder in front of the back three or four. And so that was encouraging to see, you know, and find an incisive ball. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. definitely. And so uh, for him to, to do that, I think, yeah, definitely uh, puts another uh, kind of idea into Frank Gabor's head in terms of that. So, yeah. you know, yeah. good. But uh, the very kind of not positive thing that happened yeah. in this match was George Bella going down with an injury. He's clattered. Clattered pretty much. Uh, landed on his head very, very, uh, very hard. And Kind of scary. Yeah, and scary moment because no one really knew what was going on. He had to be stretchered off. He was taken to the hospital uh, for examination. And uh, ultimately, though, the day later, uh, George Bello did tweet out that he said, quote, I appreciate all the thoughts, prayers, and well wishes. Thankfully, the injury wasn't as bad as feared, and I will be back on the field soon. And so, that's very encouraging because, yes. yeah, it's definitely, uh, you know, hopefully he can come back uh, at least maybe for the second leg for yeah. uh, the CCL. Right. And if not even that, at least for uh, you the know. MLS opener maybe. Yeah, hopefully that. Yeah, but. I mean, yeah, with the con concussions are always tricky, and I think especially in recent years, uh, the sports community in general has uh, evolved in how they think about head injuries. They're taking so, it much more seriously. Exactly. Sure. And so, yeah, should. rushing back, I don't think we want to do that. And so, uh, yeah, I agree with you. Hopefully he's back for... Maybe the second leg. I think Nashville's a more realistic target. All right. And, uh, yeah, also, Fernando Mesa didn't play this match because he was getting his work permit. And so, yeah, it's, uh, you know, one of those things where uh, it's going to be a theme in this episode, I feel like, as well, uh, with all that. But, anyway, let's move on to the Leones Negros match mm -hmm. on Tuesday. We're filming this on a Wednesday, the day after the match, for full transparency. And uh, that starting 11 was a little bit... Kind of more probably what we might see against CCL. Mm -hmm. uh, I think Birmingham Legion was a little bit more rotated. I think you saw Can at uh, in between the sticks. Yes. It was a little bit more obvious, I feel. 
Uh, Campbell also started, I believe, so yeah. Right. Uh, but this starting 11 had Guzan, Mesa, Robinson, Escobar, Walks as the left wing back, Larry and Heinemann in the middle. Uh, Lennon and right wing back, and then up top, Petey, Joseph, and Bark. Of course. But, uh, yeah, in terms of that, uh, yeah, this, this match was... Uh, yeah, interesting, for sure. <laughs> I mean, I think interesting, maybe not the real, actually, descriptor. But, uh... <laughs> yeah, I mean, they, they got it. So, the starters, most of the starters went 90. Most notably, Miles Robinson did not. He had yes. he He was down for a little bit with a leg injury of sorts. Um, yeah, went down awkwardly to yeah. block a ball. Um, and, yeah. yeah, he had to go off, yeah. but, uh... He at walked least, off. Yes. The very encouraging part is that he refused the stretcher. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, that at least boded a little bit better in terms of how maybe it's perceived and how the injury is. Right. We won't know quite yet, but uh, we'll get into who replaced him, and that's George Campbell. He right. came on, um, yeah, looked tidy on the ball at times, and then, um, yeah, I mean, pretty sound defensively for the most part. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, we, we kept a clean sheet throughout the match. So at least uh, throughout, you know, them having to really deal with the fitness that, you know, they were trying to gain mm -hmm. from this match in mm -hmm. terms of most of the stars playing full 90s. Right. Uh, Dr. Boer had mentioned that he was probably going to do that. Yeah. Um, and most of the <laughs> Leonis Negros, they rotated like crazy. Yeah. Uh, at one point had 10 guys come off the pitch. So all the lines were changed, and uh, so it was uh, definitely very, um, yeah, something where they, it was trying for them. They had to fight deep and dig deep yes. to finish the match, and uh, they just about kept it scoreless. I mean, like yeah. Leon <laughs> Leonis had two or three really good chances, um, but uh, but also especially yeah. yeah, one in the six where it really I think it almost was. Almost a tap. Yeah, pretty much. It's like it's yeah. one of those ways. Like, it was harder to miss, and somehow you missed. But right. uh, but yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. The, the the fact that they played Saturday and then they flew to Mexico, I think on Sunday or Monday, and had a hard training session, and then played. Most of them went full ninety. I think it was. This was definitely a conditioning test. And so right. in terms of uh, Leonis, especially in altitude as well. Right. And then and Leonis started their season three weeks ago, so they're actually like in form. You know what I mean? They're they're pretty much in mid-season form, and so, uh, so I think for all those reasons, it was uh, it was an adversarial uh, situation for Atlanta United, but by design. And mm -hmm. I think, all things considered, it worked out the way the coaching staff wanted to wanted right. it to. I think it was a good tune-up for CCL, you know, in terms of altitude, in terms of the travel, getting them used to uh, going, uh, you know, not only traveling together and making sure that. You know, maybe they don't. They're not in the mindset that this is like a vacation. This right. is like, oh, we're here to, you know, <laughs> do business for sure. Right. And so uh, that's, I feel like, very important. You know, in terms of the big picture, for sure. Yeah. But uh, in terms of who was unavailable, Joseto, Mulraney were unavailable due to their visa situations. And Castillo was unavailable due to injury. Mm. Yeah, I think you saw some differences in maybe how we would play if they were actually in the squad and in the 11. Right. Uh, because, yeah, I mean, there are at points uh, in terms of maybe walks at wing back didn't quite work out. And that's why he moved over to right center back later on. Mm -hmm. um, and, yeah, you saw them switch to a four-man back line. And so George Campbell was learning left back on the floor. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, and yeah, it's uh, definitely just something that I think they were talking about beforehand anyway, that they wanted to be able to, in fact, War wanted to switch from a three-man backline to a four-man backline. Mm -hmm. So, uh, within a game, that uh, is something that they got practice on. So, mm -hmm. also another positive, I feel like. Another thing that I thought was interesting is that Leonis kept attacking down their right side, which is our left side. And, you know, that's... Uh, it's going to be a weak spot, I feel yeah. like, uh, if we don't have anyone to short up in terms of uh, someone that can uh, go forward and track back backwards. Exactly. And so it that's... is, yeah, it's just pretty important that we really find someone that is that uh, that heir apparent at that spot. Right. But, um, you know, essentially though, we finish the preseason 3-0-2. Undefeated. <laughs> Undefeated. 
But, of course, we lose in the penalties yeah. here. Uh, very interesting, the kind of uh, order that we went with. Yes. Uh, Joseph went first, scored his... Uh, with a little kind of mini hop, not as kind of pronounced as. I like this one. I like this new uh, this technique that he's doing. Yeah, because I think it's a little more. It has a little more flow to it. The hop isn't as like awkward on yeah. it. So. Yeah, and uh, and so, uh, but their their goalkeeper he saved three of ours. Yeah. And yeah, it was Mesa, Heinemann, and Barco. Not the best penalties, you have to say. Exactly, they were pretty much at kind of arm's length, yeah. and also really not really too low, not really too you know much higher than yeah. where an outstretched keeper can really go. And right. so, uh, yeah, I mean, we definitely could have had a lot better penalties, but I think it is um, you know good practice in a sense uh, for that, but. You know, the interesting part is that, yes, why we did it, because there was a trophy on the line. Yeah, that we won anyway? Yeah, that we, it was given to Frank Dubois at the end, uh, and I mean, I don't really know if he wanted it, <laughs> to be fair, but... Uh, it wasn't exactly a looker. <laughs> yeah, it, it was very interesting, because, yeah, it was like the three people coming out of it looked like, like yeah. melted wax to me. Right, yeah, the stadium itself was, like, made of vanilla wafers, it looked like, yeah, or something. I mean... Legos, or... Yeah. Just very interesting, um, you know, bohemian. I would feel yeah, like is sure. a good way to describe it sure. as well. But uh, but so in terms of this preseason, uh, yeah, I mean it's a good tune-up uh, for the CCL next Tuesday. Uh, all of this has been in preparation for us to get ready for not only that, but of course for the regular season. But yeah, um, yeah in terms of uh, kind of comparing this preseason to previous preseasons. Last preseason, we actually were two wins and two draws with an 11 goal difference. And this season, it was only six. Uh, interesting, because some people have been, uh, you know, kind of saying how uh, kind of disjointed the attack has been. Sure. How uh, it just hasn't looked like it's really uh, been a lot of chemistry quite yet. And yeah. to be fair, there's so many guys that have come in. So it's going to, of course, always be a kind of betting in period. Exactly. And I mean, look at these, uh, these last two matches in particular. Like I mentioned before, when the starters were together, they didn't concede. And so it looks like maybe the defense is a little bit ahead of the attack right now, uh, which, you know, man, there were times last year where we got pasted. So, and just cut through. So I think that, yeah, definitely being more solid, at least especially to start the season, is encouraging. And yeah. Yeah, in terms of the attack clicking, I think I think that'll come. You know? Yeah, for sure. And I think uh, you know, I think definitely in terms of comparing the preseasons, last uh, preseason it was coming off of a MLS Cup win. Right. Uh, a lot of the incumbent was still there, uh, and so yeah, there was probably a little <clears throat> bit more continuity. But this preseason, yeah, definitely there's mm. uh, so many people to bet in. It's gonna be different, but yes. even. Even then, so it was a little bit uh, where the squad was getting used to Frank De Boer and yes. his tactics and uh, everything together, and so yeah, it's like a different type of animal, but still a betting in period. And so hopefully, right. it just doesn't take as long as it did last year. Right. But uh, we shall see. But uh, moving on from that, a re-signing or an extension rather is Brad Guzan is Ooh. signed until the 2023 season yeah. um, and so um, you know pretty interesting in one regard uh, congrats first but uh, interesting because yeah I think he will be 38 at, at the least. beginning of the 2023 season yeah, yeah. and so uh, it is one of those things where um, yeah he's is one of the most solid goalkeepers in For MLS. Sure. For sure. uh, but, I mean, yeah, we all know how goalkeepers do tend to age pretty well. Yeah. Um, and so... Especially if they take care of themselves, which I assume Brad does. Right. And uh, But it is one of those things, too. Larry is pretty close in, in age, even right now. Yeah. Uh, he's, I believe, 36. And so, you know, it is one of those things where can MLS, you know, and the, I guess, the perceived quality stave off father time for Brad Guzan. We shall see. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it was, it, I think, received a generally positive reaction, but there were some dissenters that were, yeah, I think they feel like, and maybe, you know, they have some uh, right to maybe feel that it might be uh, questionable at the end of the contract. 
you know, we'll see. Sure, but, yeah, it's a, it's hard for contracts. Like they're either too long or too short. Like this, it's rare that a contract just hits it on the money in terms of length. And so, right. yeah, I think that it does look like Brad Kazan's gonna retire a five stripe. And honestly, I wouldn't be mad at that. Yeah, cause yeah, he has been solid. He, uh, I think maybe why he was giving this contract extension is yeah. because he probably will be the captain uh, in terms mm -hmm. of on the pitch. Uh, Larry might be the club captain, yeah. and uh, it might be one of those things where you know he is such a valuable part of the clubhouse, uh, spokesperson for the team. Yeah. Uh, and by ML standards, he's a quality keeper. I mean, he was yeah. in the running for goalkeeper of the year. I think he actually uh, got the most votes among the players. Uh, one of those votes, I think it was the players. Yeah. Yeah. That uh, yeah that you know that were impressed by his performances and so right. so yeah it definitely is I think uh, warranted and so uh, congrats to Brad Guzan and so uh, moving on from that the Mateos Hoseto update unfortunately uh, about his visa yeah. but uh, essentially on counterattack on Sirius XM Radio. Frank de Boer said that there will be delays that will prevent Hoseto from playing in the first round of the CCL because of those visa delays. So, yeah, it'll, uh, I think, affect the starting level for sure, yeah. how we will set up and how we will want to play. Right. So it's, uh, I think, fairly big miss. Yeah, yeah. And uh, even going back to last night uh, with the, uh, the friendly, I think, those players who were able to go full 90, um, I think those players will get the priority for starting against Motagua. Yeah. And so, yeah, he missed that. So I think his, you know, his place in terms of, at least as a starter, was probably not likely. And then, yeah, with the VC issue, so now we know he won't be available for that match. Hopefully he's available for the second leg, though. And because, uh, you know, he can definitely be a difference maker for us, especially uh, in the buildup, which, yes, it has struggled at times and mm -hmm. certainly seems like we could use a little more creativity or maybe somebody who can uh, hold possession, hold yeah. possession, find those long passes. You know, I think, yeah, Joseto is going to be a key part of our team. So hopefully he can sort out those VC issues sooner than later. Yeah, for sure. Uh, moving <coughs> on from that, Miles Robinson and his updates, according to CBS's Roger Gonzalez, uh, it was a quad strain, and there was no official timetable, unfortunately. And there will be an MRI either today, uh, which was Wednesday, or tomorrow on Thursday. And so, that's, I don't know, it, it's one of those, we don't know the severity of it quite yet, but... I it, hate hearing about quad strains, I'll tell yeah, you that much. Yeah, they take a long time to heal, to mm -hmm. fully heal. They might linger around, because it's kind of pretty easy to re-aggravate the type of injury yeah uh so i mean it could be more than a month if uh it's kind of very severe and then uh maybe a couple weeks hopefully if uh if it's not but we'll yeah. see i it's, mean yeah because that i mean speculation yeah i mean the start of the season is i i don't think it's easy you know what i mean obviously we have ccl hopefully we advance but uh, in terms of MLS, you've got Nashville's home opener, and then we yeah. open against Cincinnati, who are a much improved team, Sporting Kansas City the following week, who are usually a good team, and so... We already don't have a lot of center back depth anyway, I feel mm -hmm. like, uh, at least we have depth that is kind of utility at multiple positions, right. and if, if you choose one of those guys as uh, having to... Like you know, a Jeff Lerunowitz. Yeah, a Jeff Lerunowitz, because yeah, if you take him away from midfield, then you take that option away. Yes. Uh, if you take an Antal Walks uh, into the center back uh, back line, then... Who plays left wing back. Yeah, left wing back, or you know, cover for any of the other positions, it starts to become, okay, yeah, we're maybe getting a little thin at that depth, but... Uh, so, yeah, hopefully... <clears throat> We're really crossing fingers for Miles Robinson yes, here. Yes, yes. But uh, moving on to slightly more positive, I think definitely more positive, yeah. is that uh, congrats to LA United on hitting 1 million Twitter followers. The here. 1 million club. Yeah, we are the first MLS club to do so. Uh, the next closest one is Seattle Sounders at 565. And then after that is LA Galaxy at 521. So, you know, I thought it was very interesting because they did a little uh, press release. Yeah, the Twitter account was started in 2014. By March 2017, and it's like very early in Atlanta United's existence, we were the leading uh, Twitter account in MLS, which is yeah. very interesting to me. I mean, you look at like, okay, LA Galaxy, they're a day one MLS team, right? Yeah. Seattle Sounders, they were in NASL from 74 to 83 before they made a comeback as 
uh, I think a USL and then eventually an MLS team. Yeah. So, you know, the fact that those clubs have about half as many followers as Atlanta United, that is, I think it shows you that it's not just Atlanta-based followings. I think that Atlanta has uh, done a good job of making themselves a name in the in the global market. Yeah, they've the captured it worldwide. Yeah, you know, right. In terms of uh, okay, yeah, I'm not gonna go there actually. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, if you're, I'm not a fan, but uh, if you're a fan of Pitbull, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> But anyway, Mr. Uh, Worldwide. Okay, but anyway, so uh, it just popped in my head. I just had to do it. But um, in terms of MLS, they have 3.2 million, and so if you compare it to LA United, do we? And that's you know, assuming if all the followers of LA United follow MLS as well, we pretty much are a third of MLS's followers. Interesting, interesting. But I think you have to look at it in context as well. I think LA Galaxy have about two million or more, I think, in Facebook followers mm. uh, and likes and stuff. And so that, it might be where, you know, because they're an older club, sure. Facebook has been around a little longer than Twitter has. And so maybe more of their fans are maybe in the kind of either older crowd, uh, people who still even have a Facebook around. <laughs> right. It's all context that should be kind of taken into account. Right. But either way, still, we're the first MLS club to hit 1 million on Twitter. So, And shout out to the social team, honestly. Good job, yep. guys. Absolutely. Exactly. But moving on from that, uh, it seems that Cerro Porteño are keeping Santiago Arzamendia. <sighs> Uh, for now, anyway, and that's uh, according to the Francisco uh, or the the manager of Cerro Francisco Arza. Uh, he said, "quote The transfer of Santiago Arzamendia didn't happen, and so um, it's a shame because I think we can clearly see that there is a kind of hole that he could fill." In about like a few days, I feel like we've been taking hit after hit at the left back position. I mean, like again, really hope George Bello is okay. Um, Edgar Castillo, look man, Edgar Castillo had 48 appearances over the past two MLS seasons. We played 47 matches in 2019, and so like, he's hurt, you know, and I, that's... Hopefully it's not too serious, hopefully yeah. Hopefully it's not too I serious. it's a rib injury, and hopefully it's just, yeah. it just doesn't go you know, back. and I don't want to label him as injury prone, but at the end of the day, he is 33, and if we are depending on him to start 20, 25 matches, I, I think that's dangerous territory. So. Again, like, here we are. Left back position is a problem. And this is what, you know, I am disappointed. We just have to move on at this point. Maybe it's a case where, yeah, that's one a summer transfer. But uh, it's a little bit of a worry, for sure. Yeah, and yeah, it makes you think about, like, okay, why wasn't, like, uh, Mikey Ambrose retained or something like that? Sure. Um, it's one of those, yeah, maybe it just didn't fit in the overall scheme of um, how Frank DeBoer wanted to play or contract-wise. Right. Either way. Uh, maybe you want some assurances of playing time. Really don't know at this point. Right. But uh, anyway, let's move on from that. The King's kit was officially released. Uh, last week, and the uh, yeah, there was a very interesting article that came out as well from the Athletic that reported that MLS is poised to allow a third kit for next year for a handful of its best-selling clubs. Which obviously we are one of them. <laughs> we are probably the best-selling club, right? Yeah, exactly. And so uh, yeah, I mean, I think you know, definitely even in 2018, we had like I think five of the best-selling kits in uh, the top 25. Right. So it's one of those things where, um, yeah, I think it's fairly obvious that we might get one and uh, that third kit. I mean, uh, I leave it to you guys. What would you guys like to see on the third kit? Yeah, that's generally where you know a club can get pretty adventurous. Mm -hmm. and I imagine there, if we are one of the ones to uh, get one, they will be coming up with the concept now. Yeah, and you know, having it ready for next year, and so. May I just say, I am partial to pink kits. I love pink kits. I think they almost always look good, so. We probably don't want to clash too hard with Inter-Miami, though. But so, they, I know, they didn't really. Yeah, it was pink, like a but. black kit with, it's, I, Inter-Miami's kit is actually a little bit disappointing considering like the early renderings. Sure. But and it is what it is. Exactly, yeah. There is, uh, there's some subsets of fans that have argued that uh, Seattle Sounders have done a better Inter-Miami kit than 
in a Miami. But right. um, I think, yeah, we could do one of those kind of more crazier designs. Yeah. Uh, I would like to see maybe something a little bit more outlandish, like uh, you know, like a Nigeria. Ooh. Like, that would be dope. But, there you go. You know, not the Korea kits like are, are fire too. Yeah, but just like you know, where you go outside of the box and you really are going for it. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. But uh, anyway, moving on from that, Andrew Carlson, he started for Indy 11, and he's already scored a couple goals for them in preseason. So good on the boy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, hopefully he's really using you know his move on loan to really focus on his career and really make it happen because I'm, I'm rooting for the kid. Maybe. Absolutely. I think it's a big year for him too because especially uh, I think there's a chance that like I mentioned before that one or two uh, designated players are gone by the end of the 2020 season and so Andrew Carlson's coming to his own as well. He's 20 right now so you know like maybe next year he's a, a key member of the five strikes but he'll have to prove that at Indy 11. So yeah. But uh, moving on from that, Jose Martinez, he looks more likely to accept a call to Venezuela now uh, because the uh, new manager, Jose uh, Pesero, uh, he pretty much called him up and he was wanting him to uh, be a part of you know, the Venezuelan setup. And so I think you know, with that, uh, we'll probably see more of him, uh, unfortunately, you know, off on international duty. Yeah. Unless you're a Venezuelan fan. Yeah. I mean, I think you're probably ecstatic, but... I mean, I'm happy. Yeah, you know, yeah. Joseph and Copa America would be nice to see, but, uh, yeah, like, I tweeted this out before, looking at missing six, seven matches, including matches against the Union, NYC, that July 4th match against DC United is in jeopardy if Joseph goes off to Copa America, so... You know, Adam John or maybe one of the uh, the backup wingers, Castro or even Mourini will have to step up. We'll just have to see. Yeah, definitely. But uh, yeah, so still great for Joseph Martinez. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, not so great for Joseph Martinez is that his dog Hassi has been missing still. And uh, it's one of those where uh, she was seen spotted around Kennesaw State, that area. I'll put up this. Uh, picture and yeah if you see Hassi please call that number if you have any information because yeah a happy Joseph is a happy Joseph for Atlanta United yes, as yes, well yes. so but uh, speaking of happy Joseph though oh. is that the mural of Joseph Martinez is complete mm -hmm. uh, Matt Leaders finished it and yeah you saw Joseph Martinez visit it in this video and mm -hmm. boy you know he had this uh, on one of the posts a uh, crying emoji. He obviously was ecstatic. That, yeah. Uh, he uh, has this. I mean, in uh, Thirty South Soccer also had a great article yep. uh, from Rob Usry and Co. about the kind of genesis of it. Yeah, in that neighborhood. It, but, yeah, absolutely. But it's uh, yeah, very heartwarming and mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it's a very kind of soccer laden neighborhood with some good history of it. So um, yeah, I mean, Jose Martinez finally gets something <clears throat> in terms of a uh, an art piece. Yeah. Hopefully, that next art piece is the Build statue. the statue. But anyway. Uh, Next up is that uh, the Athletics' Paul Tenorio, he uh, said with two sources of knowledge on the deal for Tito Fischalba that the transfer fee was in the range of 1.5 million to 2 million. And it was bandied about that uh, in Paraguay that it was four million earlier that day, which would have been a record for that league. Right. Well, no, actually, I think it would have been second. Oh, okay. Apparently. Okay. And uh, either way, you know, there's some. Conflicting reports for right, sure, and right. who do you believe? It's difficult to mm -hmm. say here, but um, I think it makes more sense that it's probably around two million because yeah. he hasn't really been playing. Right? Uh, you know, when we bought him and when we sold him, yeah, it's just the plausibility of us making more than what we paid for him uh, is just a little lower at the moment because he just hadn't played as much. Right. And so, yeah, I, I would kind of edge toward that it was probably on the lower half. But, yeah, yeah. But, um, but, I mean, I think, you know, if some of that is true, if it is $4 million, I mean, wow. That would be fantastic business, yeah. I mean, like, making any kind of profit, really. Yeah, so, but, uh, I mean, I think we all know that 
you know, Tito Pichalba is very talented. It's yes. just a matter of, um, you know, can maybe it's his status as, an, as a Paraguayan national now. Maybe, yeah. maybe that uh, added some to the transfer fee. But maybe could have. But on to Atlanta United two news. Uh, goalkeeper Gabe Rosario joins Atlanta United two. And Rosario, 20 years old, he came up through the Carolina Rapids Academy and he moved to England to join Reading FC's Academy in 2016. Uh, and then he also joined Huddersfield Town after a successful trial in 2018. And he's also been called up into the U.S. 2017, or yeah, the 2017 U18s national team as well. Yep. So welcome to Gabe Rosario. Some good potential young Hopefully, guy. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully a Gruzan replacement. Hopefully, but uh, I mean, it's one of those things where very young guy. I yeah, think, down the line, right, right, yeah, right, right. I think uh, that's maybe too high of an expectation for him. But yeah. yeah. But either way, uh, moving on from that, the so MLS is not striking. That's huge. <laughs> the most important thing. I mean, in, so in past years, yeah, these uh, these CBA talks tend to go down to the wire. You know, to days before the season starts. So the fact that they got these done uh, weeks before the season started, I think, is an encouraging sign. Uh, there was less tension between the owners and players overall. I think they were on the same side about a lot of things. Um, I think the players got a lot of things that they wanted. One of the big things that you may have heard about uh, is mandatory charter flights. Wayne Rooney, most famously, <laughs> tweeted about it. But uh, and, and railed and, against MLS. For yeah, it, yep. but and other players did as well. And so yeah, now every uh, team has to do eight flights in season as well as uh, cup competitions, playoffs, and so on. I don't think that affects Atlanta United specifically because I think with Arthur Blank's resources, they were maxing out the charter flights they can use, but they can use more now. So that's right. good. Exactly. And also, uh, so yeah, they've reached a tentative agreement on a new five-year CBA. Uh, and yeah, that previous one... Uh, <laughs> pretty much expired on January 31st, but then they extended it to February 7th. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, really, I think uh, so many weeks before the actual start of the season, it's great news because there is, yeah, no lockout and we can actually watch Atlanta United. <laughs> Very good news. Yeah. But uh, we'll briefly go through just some of the other highlights of this new CBA. Yeah. Is that, uh, yeah, the minimum and reserve salaries are now livable wages. You remember Jeff Lorenowitz talking about past players having to do multiple jobs or maybe live with families and exactly. so on. It was tough. It was tough days. Uh, Non-discretionary TAM is now GAM. And so now all that uh, money that we got from Nagby and Gressel is now pretty much usable. And uh, it's, it's great. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, the under-22 almost initiative. It right, like. yeah, yeah. They haven't finalized this. Yeah, we're still waiting on details for this. But it sounds like, essentially, the league wants to encourage teams to sign more players like Barco, you know? Because uh, Don Garbus talked about MLS becoming more of a selling league. And I think it really seems like the league is responding to how teams like Atlanta United and you could say LASC as well. They haven't they haven't sold a player yet to Europe, but uh, you figure like Diego Rossi maybe is on that path. But yeah, it seems like uh, looking at how those teams operate, MLS is... And they're encouraging that. Exactly. Sure. I, and I do think that that will uh, be good for the future of the league. But uh, moving on from that, since it's usually probably not the most interesting thing in terms of CBA for most people, uh, but, uh, you know, LGP, uh, you know, a guy that's uh, just moved to Cholos, well, he got his first goal, and he celebrated with the ball in his shirt, mm -hmm. I think signifying, and I think he confirmed it on social media, yeah. that he is having another child, so congrats, not only on his first goal, but for having... An, on the path to another child, so best wishes to the Gonzalez Pires family. But uh, also in other former Five Stripe news is that Justin Miram to Rail Salt Lake is now official. So best of luck mm -hmm. to, I believe, a guy that became a fan favorite. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. I think I mean, he uh, figures to get some playing time as well with, yeah. uh, I think, Salcedo left uh, Salt Lake to go to Liga Mekki, and so... Yeah, and of course, Lennon was also on the wings as well for Real Salt Lake, and now he's with us, and so it's a, 
very interesting that, yeah, I mean, he gets some probably a lot more playing time than actually he got here. And, you know, best of luck to Miro. Absolutely. But that pretty much does it for the news and gets us to our buy or sell segment. And simply what we do here is we put up an Atlanta United topic and we say if we buy or sell it and give it reasons why. So first topic is that Julian Russell is the player Atlanta United will miss the most of the departed players this season. Buy or sell. Sell, hard sell. I, you know, I, I, I like Julian. I do think um, that he's a little more replaceable. I know that people have been kind of complaining about Lennon's crossing, but <sighs> crossing is like pretty much a low percentage pass anyway. And uh, you know, he's building that chemistry with Joseph, and I think it'll come. Mm -hmm. uh, I think the play that we're most gonna miss though is Nagby. Yeah. You know, it's just you. It's so hard. Like, there's no other player like him in the league. Uh, it would have been very difficult to find a like for like in general and we you know we, we didn't really you know what I mean like we found I think uh, Joseto we resigned Hyman but I think they'll do a job in a way but that looks sort of replaces Nagby but nobody's the Nagby replacement there is none exactly uh, you couldn't have said it better than I did and so yeah absolutely I excel that Julian Russell will be missed more although we will miss him that's for sure but it is yeah Nagby just really silly replaceable and it's really going to be so strange to see him in a crew uniform coming into the bins. I'm... Please, please don't score. I mean, he never did, but please don't score against us. <laughs> but anyway, uh, next buyer so topic, Brad Guzan will be our starting keeper in 2023. I think that's a buy. Yeah, because I think he'll, he'll take care of himself. I think he's still playing at a decently high level. I know that at, at times, yeah, he doesn't necessarily look the most spry. You know, or maybe uh, people have issues with his distribution, but I think at the end of the day, it's it's difficult to displace a keeper. And so, yeah, I just, I think that Brad Guzan, yeah, especially with keepers, you know, they tend to age a little better. Obviously, it's not, mm -hmm. yeah, you're not covering as much ground as a keeper, so you maybe stay in the sticks a little bit longer. So, yeah, age 38, I think Brad will still be our number one. Yeah, um, I... I sell that he'll be our starting keeper in 2023, but uh, it'll be like kind of these type of situations where uh, maybe he will be mentoring the next guy that is coming in. Mm -hmm. um, but I still feel like, yeah, he's got a couple to three more years of very solid MLS goalkeeping play. And so, um, yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where this is that type of league where there, yes, it still is a little bit a few levels uh, underneath like a Premier League and so definitely sure. him coming from that type of level still right. is yeah definitely I feel like he can still sustain a very high uh, performance you know pedigree I feel like absolutely but, yeah uh, last buy or sell topic is a blind guess mm -hmm. Manuel Castro will play more than 20 games for LA United this season if he's healthy and that's going with the, you know, if he only stays here for six months, because that's all we know for Oh, that's true, moment. that's true. Um, I'm going to go with a buy, though, because, yeah, I mean, like, he, I think he'll definitely come into a lot of games. I think he will be one of the first or second subs off the bench, especially considering the fact that he is an attacking midfielder. I think more often than not, we will see Barco or PD get subbed just because we want to keep them fresh for as many games as possible, really. And then also, you know, there's a case of Joseph's probably going to go off to Copa America. Maybe Petey gets called up to Argentina. I mean, he was on the fringes at the beginning of last season. If Petey plays well, maybe Argentina gives him a look again. Because uh, also, South American teams start their qualifying for the 2022 campaign this season. Actually, in March. So, uh, there's that as well. Uh, Barco, you know, he may go off to the Olympics. He may be sold. So, yeah, I think I, that's a buy for me. I think Castro will, between starts and appearances, get to 20 games by, what, July? Yeah. Yeah. Fine, fine points. Um, I feel like, yeah, it's also, uh, depending on what type of formation we play and how often... You know, he does come in if we... I feel like he fits definitely more in a four-man back line. And so definitely, you know, he'll be probably the right winger or left winger. Um, that, yeah, that will mean he probably will get a lot more playing time. And so I think with that, um, yeah, 20 star, or yeah, twenty games definitely seems a lot more feasible. Um, yeah, I think I also buy it as well. So anyway, yep. that does it for buy or sell and it moves us to the mailbag. You guys send in these questions through IG story. 
Please continue to do so and we might answer your question in the future. First question comes from Alex Watkins23. Do you think there will ever be a place for Carlton in the team since Gressel and Tito left? Yeah, absolutely. As yeah, with those two departures, and then like I mentioned before, uh, with Barco potentially leaving or Petey, yeah, I think that there will eventually be a place. I mean, I know that uh, he's had a little bit of trouble breaking through, but uh, you know, you look at the players who were blocking him before, like. Uh, on their own, like Tito, you know, that's just tough. Marco even. Uh, yeah, exactly. Especially for an 18, 19 year old, you know, and then of course, you know, maybe before he's maturing, you know, he's a very young man. Um, I think uh, the time in Indianapolis would do him some good. And so I think he'll mature off the field and if he can consistently play in a, in a high level environment, which Indy 11 is, uh, yeah, I think that he'll prove enough to where he can be a contributor for the five stripes. Yeah, I think this is a very much, of course, a uh, as many people have said, a make or break season for him. And uh, with uh, Indy 11, yeah, if you can really show what a lot of us see uh, the talent in him, definitely, I think he can really, I think, stake a claim to become a part of the first team on a regular basis. Because he was already making those fringe 18s already. Uh, yeah, I think he's got I think definitely the creative ability to be someone that's uh, very useful for this team. And so, yeah, hopefully he does. Next question comes from Omar1386. After this mild scare, should we just say fuck it to the CCL and concentrate on regular season? Um, no one necessarily say fuck it. We should absolutely be advancing past Motagua. Like, we are heavy favorites. I think that it would not be a good look if we get eliminated. And so, yeah, I think uh, in terms of this round, we should be getting past them. In terms of the next round, we'll have to see. Part of what we'll have to see is who we have available, you know? And if it's, uh, I don't know. I mean, I just think if you're in CCL, you need to give it your go, give it your best shot, especially with especially with Barco and Petey. I mean, those are high-profile players, you know? And I think I don't know if they'd be too happy with uh, punting an international competition, essentially, and so... Yeah, agreed. E even though, yeah, sure, there might be some uh, type of things where the prize money isn't as great or any the sort of thing like that. The format doesn't yeah. really help us, sure. Yeah, but it still is, at the end of the day, an international trophy that, yeah, I mean, looks very good in any trophy case, and so, yeah. I think you put the importance on that, and yeah, you. Uh, I think you know Nashville with kind of the problems that they're they're having. Maybe that onus isn't as kind of concentrated on. Hopefully, yeah. The I think the eggs probably should go in the CCL basket for now. Yeah. Uh, I think we can see how it goes after the first round as right. well. Because, I think for yeah. me, the big thing is year-on-year -year improvement. And so, you know, last season we made it to the quarterfinals. So maybe the goal of this year is to make it to the semifinals. Right, and exactly. So next question comes from Mikkel Weiss 10. I think our lack of production in the attack this preseason this pre is similar to last year's concern. Uh, yeah, it's, I think, different. I think we were talking about it earlier mm -hmm. in terms of the, uh, the attack in this preseason is definitely disjointed because of the lack of chemistry. Last season, it was learning how Frank de Boer wants the team to play. Mm -hmm. um, so I think there is a difference for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, we were, I think it was lesser competition last uh, preseason as well. Yeah. So we had an 11 goal difference and then versus six uh, goal difference. This preseason was definitely, I think we looked more stout uh, defensively versus last preseason. I think we looked like a jumble of, we didn't know what we were doing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, it's just a completely different preseason, completely different offseason, really. You know, last offseason was crammed. This offseason, obviously, is a lot longer. Um, and, yeah, I think, yeah, like you mentioned before, I don't know if the competition we faced last year really did any good for us. I think this preseason, the coaching staff made sure to get in some stiff competition. And so, yeah, they didn't look great. But, uh, you know, you can you can look bad against a team when you're not as fit as them. I think that's, that was kind of the point. And so I'm not too worried about the uh, lack of production. I think also in terms of that, I saw in terms of individuals from Barco, from Petey, 
Um, even Joseph, yeah, the touch maybe wasn't quite there, but exactly. if it's you know regular season, mid-season form of Joseph Martinez, he makes a uh, a flying touch on right. one of these uh, these balls and scores them. It's one of those theories about strikers. It's like, okay, yeah, sure, they might miss chances, but are they getting there? Are they getting them? And at this point, I think that's the most important thing. And I think at times, yeah, Joseph was right there, just you know, an inch or two away. So yeah, the, the timing and the, you know, type of service isn't maybe quite there yet, but you know, and then in terms of, uh, you know, where he wants to be like, yeah, he, uh, during Leonis, uh, Negros, I feel like, uh, or no, it was during Birmingham Legion. Mm -hmm. He, uh, went for a scissor and almost it was, he was just slightly off of it. I mean, that would have been an interesting preseason goal for sure. Right. Uh, we think if he had actually hit the back of the net, we would all have been like, oh man, but don't waste it in the preseason. Right. Right? <laughs> right, so right. it's one of those things. It's double edged. So, yeah. but anyway, next question comes from B dot OVO. Do you feel this team will reach its potential if we switch over to four, three, three? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, I think in general the the shape is going to be fluid, you know, and I think that's what we saw in, towards the end of the season. I think that's something that the board emphasizes. Um, I know that there's some concern about attacking out of a back three, but uh, I think that you know my thing is okay if the back three is Mesa, Miles Robinson, and uh, Escobar. I think that what you could see is Mesa or Escobar step up into midfield or even into the attack. You know, Mesa has played some defensive midfield as well as fullback. Franco, as we know by trade, is a fullback. And overall, I've said this before, I think Escobar is just one of our best players in terms of an athlete in terms of technical ability and so do I think he could contribute to the attack absolutely I think it would actually kind of be a waste for him to just sit in the back line and so yeah I think that uh, I think we'll see a few different looks um, but I think the most important thing is the intent of the team you know like the overall approach you know it's you yes you have your shape of course and you have your roles but the most important thing is are we trying to attack are we pressing are we putting pressure on the other team yeah, uh, yeah. I don't know if it's the full potential. Um, if that's what you're really asking in terms of uh, if we switch over to four three three, because um, yeah, I think what we were seeing this uh, this preseason was the lack of control and possession from the midfield, and so that connectivity between the lines is really what's kind of probably been lacking. Um, and so it's you know a little bit personnel. It's a little bit um, you know who uh, can do what. In those positions as well and so if we don't have a Hoseto it probably is uh, a little bit more reliant on maybe the one twos to bring us up uh, you know forward and so uh, it's it's one of those things where I think um, you know to reach that full potential it really is just about um, yeah getting the personnel right and if they do switch from a three-man to a four-man it um, yeah we have to make sure that those players can play in that fashion that we want as well like wingbacks uh whomever those wingbacks are you know they can provide consistent service and track back like just very important so yeah it's uh it's really something that um i think will evolve across the season as it progresses but uh i don't think it's contingent on a 4-3-3 so, last question comes from Keaton Thomas, 61. Who do you think needs to step up the most for CCL and the start of MLS as of now? I would say our one senior healthy center back, <laughs> Fernando Mesa. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, prayers up for miles. But uh, and I, I think this would have been the case anyway because Mesa's filling big shoes. Yeah. Um, I He's think... got a lot of experience uh, playing against Mexican teams as well. So, as well, you know, right. And we do play him. Yeah. And like I mentioned, his versatility I think is going to be important. I think he is going to be important to the build-up play because he is a player that's tidy in possession. That was one of the hallmarks of him as a player. Is he completed a lot of passes. Like in Liga Meki, he was like one of the highest uh, pass yeah, pass accuracy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, I think for me, yeah, it's Fernando Mesa. He'll have to step up pretty much right away. Yeah. Uh, I think it's Emerson Hyndman who uh, actually probably needs to step up the most because 
Unfortunately, he's kind of filling some shoes that he'll never fill, of course. But um, yeah, because we need a lot from midfield um, for us to, at least in that, you know, that first leg, I feel like he will be a busy boy for sure. And so if he can, uh, you know, show us what he did in, in you know, that, uh, that uh, match against Club America, yeah, I mean, I think there is, I think something that um, will really drive us forward. And so it's very important, I feel like, if we get that production from midfield because at times it feels like, uh, yeah, Joseph Martinez is kind of on an island. And so if, you know, yeah. we don't get the ball to our uh, forwards, it can be just, we're in a, a world of kind of just no attack and... Yeah will just be bombarded by uh, you know having to play a lot of defense and so mm -hmm. uh, for me yeah Everson Hyman so that does it for the mailbag and pretty much the entire show also though yeah we will have the match preview for the CCL match pretty much I think uh, uh, around the weekend so keep an eye out for that but it, this gets us to our question of the day. So guys, we brought in a lot of players this off season, you know, Brooks Lennon, uh, Rosetto, uh, Manuel Castro, Mulraney, et cetera, Mesa. But which signing has been your favorite? Definitely get in the comments and let us know. And that's it for us today. Remember to subscribe to us if you haven't already, share this episode and leave us a review and rating so we can pop up higher in your rankings. And for Mark, I'm AJ, thanks so much for listening.